There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Thanks for joining me. This podcast has been titled Pranayama, Higher Consciousness Through Breathing. I know many of you may have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. But this is definitely going to be one of the most important podcasts I have ever done. I know about the meaning of this word because I once did it. I was a teacher of yoga at four universities. I had several hundred students following my teaching, and pranayama was part of my daily practice. So I understand it, and I'm going to explain it to you so that you who are unfamiliar with it know exactly what I'm talking about. So stick with me. We're going to explore some deep spiritual concepts that reveal the nature of the belief system behind yoga and the uniqueness of the biblical worldview. Now, when I was converted in 1970 and became a follower of Jesus, I left those Hindu-based beliefs behind but it qualified me to be able to speak into that worldview and define it from a biblical perspective. So what is pranayama? There are two basic elements to the study of yoga. Hatha yoga is the simplest form of yoga, and the two basic elements are asanas, which are physical yoga postures, and pranayama, which are breathing exercises. And of course, there are some other aspects like mudras, which are symbolic hand motions and meditation. But the two basic ones are asanas and pranayama. Now, the word prana means life force. And ayama means to extend or to bring out. So pranayama means to bring out the life force which is a reference to the essence of life, the essence of divine life that exists in everything according to the teachings of Hinduism. Now, many people are familiar with the word chi, and sometimes it's pronounced ki. In Taoism, the life force in everything bears that word, while in Hinduism, is referred to as prana. Many yogis call prana the breath within the breath. In other words, the divine essence that according to Hindu and New Age thought permeates everything, including our breath. Now, some gurus teach that pranayama or breath work is more important than asanas or physical yoga postures in awakening the consciousness and spiritual awareness. It is true that human beings often tend to breathe in a very shallow way, quick breaths, and they don't assimilate as much oxygen as a result because they just breathe in the top of their lungs. So this can lead to tiredness and mental dullness. 
So consciously breathing deeper and filling up your lungs can bring greater alertness, greater energy, and a healthier state physically. So that's not all bad. But contrary to yogic teaching, this practice of pranayama is not a pathway to communion with God or the enhancement of a person's spiritual awareness or consciousness. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot breathe your way into a relationship with the Creator. Intimacy with God is not that mechanical, and breath does not contain the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, the essence of spiritual life that comes from God. I know that's what Hindus and New Agers embrace in their belief system, but it's not a biblical belief. That leads me to a favorite acrostic that came to me years ago, and I've used it often, based on the word yoga. Y-O-G-A. You only get air. Now that I've made that assertion, and hopefully that's in a form that you'll never forget. Now that I've made that assertion, let me offer some clarification. Through this whole teaching, carefully note my use of two words, breath and life. Breath and life. Many Hindu people believe in pantheism. I need to include this. And that's the idea that everything is an emanation of the Godhead that the universe is not a creation of God, but rather an emanation of God or a manifestation of God. So everything has a divine essence. The tree is God. The cat is God. The dog is God. Every human being is God. And this life force that is God flows through all animate and inanimate things. So by breathing deeply and meditating on being consciously aware of the breathing process, a yoga practitioner can saturate his whole being with more prana or more divine life and thus ascend to higher planes of consciousness. Well, that relegates God to the position of being an impersonal energy force, an it, not a he, an impersonal energy force that dwells in everything, while the Bible teaches that God is separate from the physical creation. And to enter into a relationship with him, he comes into our hearts from without. So it's a completely different perspective. The Hindu perspective mixes divine life and natural breath as if they are one. Now, let me give you the biblical view with regard to breath and with regard to the breath of divine life. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Notice it did not say he became a living body, but he became a living soul. Now, that's repeated over in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. It says the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and it used the Greek word suke, which we'll get to more later on. 
So Adam's soul was infused with the breath of God. And that's why his spirit was alive with the divine essence. And he communed with God and he connected with God and he talked with God and he felt inwardly the presence of God. But after Adam fell, he still had a soul, but his spirit was dead in trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. I personally believe that the breath of God took its departure at that point, that Adam still had natural breath and natural life. His lungs could breathe oxygen and nitrogen and hydrogen, the gases that fill the atmosphere. But when God breathed into Adam in the very beginning when he was created, God didn't just breathe the gases that filled the atmosphere into him. God breathed his own divine essence into Adam because God is not confined to the atmosphere around the earth. God would not die of asphyxiation if he got out into outer space without the proper equipment. Of course not. When God breathes, he breathes his own divine essence. Now, the curse for transgression in the beginning was you shall surely die. And I believe Adam died spiritually immediately, and he began dying physically and naturally over a period of many, many years. So the divine breath left him. He may have breathed natural breath from that point, but not the breath of God. Now, let me tell you when it was reinstated. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. This is right after Jesus has arisen from the dead, and he's appearing to the disciples in the upper room. And he says to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he is equating the breath of God with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because the two go together. They were already living human beings that breathed natural breath in natural lungs, but now they receive spiritual breath from the one who breathed into Adam's nostrils in the beginning. And now that same one is breathing into them. Now, around 50 days later, I believe it was fulfilled on the highest level because that was the day of Pentecost when there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind into the upper room where maybe 120 disciples were. We don't know exactly how many were there on that day. We know there were about 120 when they voted for the 12th apostle that would take Judas's place, but we don't know how many were there. It could have been hundreds uh, more. But uh, anyway, there came a sound from heaven as of a Russian mighty wind. That wasn't a wind. It sounded like a wind. It may have felt like a wind, but the Bible did not say it was a wind. It just sounded like a Russian mighty wind. That was the breath of the almighty creator of the universe breathing his divine essence into his disciples who were immediately overwhelmed with the glory and the presence of God. 
and the church was birthed when they were all born again and became vessels of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as the spirit of life. Well, now that I've dealt with this idea of the breath of God, let me deal with the biblical word life in the New Testament. Now, first, we must understand that biblically, there are three Greek words for life, and they relate to the three areas of our being. We are triune beings made up of body, soul, and spirit. Now, prior to salvation, our spirit is dead in sins and barely functional because the spirit has three functions. That's communion with God, revelation from God, and conscience. But prior to salvation, communion with God is impossible. There's a block there, a wall there, and revelation from God just doesn't happen unless God initiates it, which is very rare. The only thing that's barely functional is conscience. So relatively speaking, the spirit is dead in sin, and then the soul is affected by that. The soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions, and this death-dealing influence from the spirit floods the soul, and we deal with all kinds of negative emotions and horrible thoughts and a weak will. And then, of course, that has its impact on our bodies, which are filled with cravings and desires that would carry us off into sin if allowed. And so you've got this situation where men are in darkness, women are in darkness, we're under this influence of spiritual death. Natural life is a gift from God. Soulish life is a gift from God, but neither of these are God. The life in my human body is a life force that comes from God, is a gift from God, but it's not the life of God. The life in my soul that allows me to think, that allows me to have emotions is a gift from God, but it is not God himself. Only a spirit that has been born again and infused with the Holy Spirit, which is called in Romans 8 to the spirit of life, has the life of God. And when the life of God comes into us, the breath of God, the life of God comes back into us, then it affects the soul and it affects the body. There's a trickle-down effect. Now, let me talk about the three Greek words for life. The first one is the word bios, is spelled B-I-O-S, from which we get the word biology. Let me give you the scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, bios, B-I-O-S, life. The pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's talking about physical life, bodily life. It's found 11 times in Scripture. Then the next Greek word that is translated life is suke. It's spelled P-S-U-C-H-E. But it's very revelatory that it's translated soul 58 times, but life or lives 41 times. So it's synonymous, really. Suke is soulish life. Bios is bodily life, worldly life, your life as a human being in this physical world. Suke is soulish life. 
But then there is another Greek word, and that is zoe, spelled Z-O-E, found 134 times in the New Testament. And it's talking always about the life of God, divine life, resurrection life, God life. And listen to what Jesus said about it. In Matthew 7, 14, he said, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. Zoe, divine life, and there are few who find it. And then in John chapter 5, verse 26, Jesus said, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And both times the word life is translated from Zoe. It's divine life. And here's the critically important passage. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says, he who has the Son has life, zoe, divine life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life, zoe. So you can have bios, bodily life, suke, soulish life, but not have zoe, divine life. And you're an incomplete person, unfulfilled, grasping and groping for truth, stumbling through darkness, trying to find the answers to life, just like I was when I dropped out of college at the age of 18 and began studying under an Indian guru. Uh, I forsook all of my upbringing as a Roman Catholic. Traditional Catholicism had given me a historical view of Jesus, but I knew nothing about being born again. And so I needed this experience. I needed this transformational change and just did not know how to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart. So I did not have life. I did not have Zoe life. I did not have the breath of life that Adam had in the beginning, which is an infusion of the presence of God himself. Now this brings me to a very important place in this teaching, because I'm going to talk for a few minutes about some worship songs, some very modern, wonderful, popular, beautiful, heart-touching worship songs. I love all of them that I'm going to mention. I've sung them many times. Our church has sung them, and we've wept while we've sung them, but they're theologically wrong in this area. And I'm not slamming the people that wrote the songs or sang the songs, because again, I sing the songs all the time. They're wonderful, edifying songs, but theologically incorrect in this particular area. And so I believe we need to be discerning. We need to be able to show the distinction between correct doctrine and wrong doctrine, even in the songs we sing. And Let's start with Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. What an awesome song, beautiful song. Oh man, I can't tell you how many times I've wept singing that song. And yet, listen to the first verse. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leaves the 99. Let me go back to it. 
before I took a breath, before I was born, before I came out of my mother's womb, before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. That's incorrect. That's incorrect because unborn children do not have the essence of divine life within them yet. You have to come to Jesus. You have to be born again. And then the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life enters into you and God's life is now merged with your soul and your body. You become a temple of the life of God. Well, you can still sing that song and love it and enjoy it every time you do. There's another one, Great Are You, Lord, by All Sons and Daughters. I'm sure you've sung it probably. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. No, it's not. That's natural breath. Divine life does not reside in natural breath. Now, in Hinduism, they believe it does. In New Age spirituality, they believe it does. But not if you're a Christian. Will I keep singing that song? I probably will. But in my mind, I understand the distinction between what's right and wrong theologically. The third song is by one of my favorite groups, Hillsong Worship. I love their music. And this particular song, oh, it's moved on my heart so many times. So will I. Uh, there's a part of that song that says, as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, speaking to God, evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say, every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. What a beautiful song. And yet, listen to the beginning of the part of the song that I quoted as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. No, that's not theologically correct. When animals began to breathe, the elephants, the giraffes, the monkeys, when the dogs and cats, the lions and tigers and bears began to breathe, that was not God's breath. That was not divine breath. That was natural breath. It was a gift from God, but it's not the life of God. See, there's life that flows through the natural universe that enables plants and animals and human beings to live, even if they're not in a relationship with God. That same universal life force, yes, there is such a thing, flows through the spiritual realm, enabling angels to exist and demons to exist. They could not even exist were it not for this life force enabling them. But that's not the life of God. That's a gift of life from God. Think of that God gifting even those that are in opposition to him with existence. But the life of God, well, that's something you cannot receive unless you go to the one in John 14, 6, who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
and no man comes to the Father but by me. In other words, no one has this life, this Zoe life, this divine life, unless they come through me. And that means calling on the name of Jesus. Now, I've got one more song before I end, a song by Carrie Job, how I love her music. And she sang a song called Breathe on Us. And the words or part of the words go like this. Breathe on us, holy fire fall. Come and fill this place with your presence like a rushing wind. Send your spirit here, breath of heaven, breathe on us. Carrie Job got it right. It's external. It's not something in me before I'm born. It's not something in all of the animals when they're created. It's not in my lungs. It's something external. Yes, Carrie Job got it right in the song, Breathe on Us. Holy firefall, come and fill this place, meaning you're apart from this physical world. Fill this place with your presence like a rushing wind, just like you did on the day of Pentecost. Breath of heaven, breathe on us. Well, I pray that for you. I pray that God will grant me personal experiences with the infilling of his breath that will carry me deeper and deeper in my relationship with him. So this episode was called Pranayama, Higher Consciousness Through Breathing. What? And I think I've answered that question. No, you're not going to be raised to a higher level of consciousness by doing a breathing exercise. God is not that mechanical. But you can come to Jesus and say, be Lord of my life. And the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life will come into you and fill you with the breath of life that Adam lost in the beginning. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.